Father, we, we pray as we now hear your word that we would be good hearers of your word, those who not over, only hear the words but also put them into action, that we would obey what you say. In Christ's name, amen. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Today we're going to be talking about the pattern of our lives. The pattern of our lives, the the daily routines, the everyday habits that we do, often without thinking. Uh, What is the pattern of your life? The pattern of your life, your uh, everyday activities, is it's a reflection of the things that you value, the things that you think are important. Uh, But it's also it also shapes what you value. The things that you do, the way that you order your life, the patterns of your life, it is a reflection of what you already value, and also the patterns and routines, the the daily activities that you do, it is also shaping the things that you value, shaping the things that you desire, shaping your mind and shaping your heart. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our time is one of the greatest treasures that we have. Where your treasure is, where you spend your time. Isn't that interesting that we talk about spending time in the same way we talk about spending money? We also spend our time. Will you spend your time, have you spend that treasure of your time, there your heart will be also. Your heart will find its way to wherever you spend your treasure. It goes both ways. If you want to take an audit of your life, if you want to think, what are the things that I value? What are the things that I most desire? You can look at how you're spending your time and how you're spending your your money and your other treasure. And it also works the other direction. How we spend our time also shapes what we value and what we want and what we desire. And so we need to consider how we are ordering our life. To consider our daily routines, our weekly activities, how we are spending our time. What are those things doing inside me, for better or for worse? How are they shaping my soul? How are they shaping my mind? Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, because that pattern is going to shape your mind, is going to shape your heart in ways away from God, away from love from Him, and away from love for your neighbor. So I want you to to consider this image. It's the image of a a grapevine on a trellis. A trellis is a structure that the gardener grows in order to tell the grapevine what direction it needs to grow in. The gardener builds the trellis, and then the vine grows along that trellis. Without the trellis, the vine just kind of goes wherever it wants to go. And so the gardener builds this trellis in order to direct the, the plant, the, the vine, to go where, um, where the gardener wants it to go. If the first thing that you do each morning is to hear the alarm go off, to roll out of bed, and to grab your phone and to scroll through social media for 15 or 20 minutes, if that is your habit, if that is your routine, if that is the trellis that you have built for yourself, 
then your heart and your mind are being shaped in certain ways by that activity. If your first 15 minutes is to pause and to lay in in bed and to recite a psalm or to pray about the day ahead, that routine, that activity is forming and shaping your soul in a particular direction. If at the end of the day, the last hours of your day is spent watching television or whether you spend 15 minutes doing the daily exam that we've taught you over the last couple of months, as we reflect on God's work and activity in your life, both of those routines, whichever it is in your life, for better or for worse, is forming your soul, is directing your heart and your mind in a particular direction. Uh, my point here is not to make you feel guilty for hanging out on social media or watching TV or whatever, or not having the certain spiritual practices in your life, but it's to bring to your attention that the way that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice as an act of worship, is also directing our minds and forming and shaping our minds in a particular direction. Your daily routines, your weekly activities, they are shaping you. And so we need to be intentional and to think about what, what trellis, what structures and routines and daily activities is God wanting to build in my life? What kind of trellis have I decided to build, and what kind of trellis does God want to build so that my life, my soul, is is shaped in a particular direction? And so consider a normal day in your life, a typical week in your life. Is that pattern of your life, is that leading you toward love for God and love for your neighbor, or is it leading you in some other direction? Your heart will find its way to your treasure. Your heart will find a way, its way, to where you spend your time. So throughout this series this calling, that we've called Following Jesus Together, we've talked about some specific practices, some, some trellis, some, some parts of our trellis to direct our attention to loving God and to loving our neighbor, reading scripture and responding to God's word, regular prayer, specifically praying the, the Lord's prayer on a daily basis, confessing our sin to God and to other people. We taught you that practice of the daily exam and a practice of reflecting on the everyday moments of our life and asking where we experienced God present in that moment. We talked about the practice of hospitality and of friendship, creating space and time uh, for friendship with other people and even with strangers in our life. And today we're going to focus this, uh, this last section on faithful witness and talk about having a rhythm in our life of rest and work. Now, many of you, as, I, as I'm talking about all of these, these practices... Okay, many of you are probably feeling like, Pastor Ryan, I'm just juggling 10 or 15 balls in the air, and now you've just thrown in five more balls for me to figure out what to do with. You want me to read my Bible every day, you want me to practice praying the Lord's Prayer every day, you want me to have hospitality and people into my house, and how in the world can I do all the things that I'm supposed to be doing and then also do all those things that you're telling me to do? Well, I want you to stop. I want you to stop. Ta-da! This following Jesus together kind of life that we've been talking about over the last three months is not about adding more things to your already busy life. This following Jesus together kind of life is actually about doing less. 
It's an invitation to drop the things in your life that aren't bringing you life and joy and to move toward being with God and with other people. It's a call to drop the activities in your life that you've constructed as your trellis based on the pattern of this world and to begin to ask the Lord what trellis he wants to build in your life. Lord, what structure do you want to build in my life that will shape me to better love you, to better love my neighbor, and that will even be an expression of healthy love for myself? That may mean giving up some things that the world says is important. It may even mean giving up some good things. It may mean moving away from a job that's, that's causing you to work 50, 60, 70 hours. It may cause you then to make less money so that you can work less hours. It may mean giving up, keeping up with the latest fashion or keeping up with the latest Netflix series. It may mean that your kids just do one extracurricular activity rather than 10. It may mean giving up some good things, some things that you even love that aren't the right thing for you anymore. There may be a place where you are serving here at church that's draining your energy and that's keeping you from other good things that you think God is calling to, but because you don't want to disappoint someone here, you don't want to disappoint Pastor Ryan, you continue to do it and it's draining your energy because it's not what God has called you to do in this season. What is the trellis, the the structures of your life, the the daily routines, the daily habits, the the weekly activities of your life that God is calling you to that will then shape you toward love of God and neighbor and to love in a healthy way, to love yourself? Today I want to talk about one particular good and right thing, one part of this trellis that I am confident that God wants to construct in each of our lives. And that is that we build into our lives a rhythm of work and rest. A rhythm of work and rest. The Bible tells us that we are designed by God for good work and for rest. In the Ten Commandments, the Jewish people were commanded to keep the Sabbath, to set aside a day to rest, to cease from striving and working and to rest. And there's a lot of discussion and disagreements from Christians about how that applies to us and what day the Sabbath is. And I'm going to ignore all of those conversations today. And I'm going to focus on the principle that's embedded underneath that command. And that principle is that God designed our human lives, that God designed your life to be marked by some rhythm of work and rest. And God designed you to participate in both. In Genesis 1, when when God creates the world, we have this refrain over and over again. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. Over and over, there was evening and there was morning. Is there something odd to you about that refrain? When you think about how your day begins, would you say, my day begins in the evening? Or my day begins in the morning? It's not a trick question. Morning. We always think that our day begins in the morning, and yet, in Genesis 1, there was evening, and then there was morning, the first day and the second day. 
What does this say to us about our, our human life? That it begins when we sleep and continues when we wake up. That your day begins with you being unconscious and being completely sustained by God, apart from any work of your own. Your day begins with sleeping and then continues with your activity. It begins with us, Mike, just being. And then out of that being flows our doing and our activity. It's much of what uh, Mike taught us yesterday, that all of our doing and our activity for God must flow from this trust that we are simply with God and called to be with him. So these first few verses of the Bible, I want to suggest to you, are a revolution to the way that we think our world works and to the way we think our own lives work. That our lives are dependent on God's sustaining work through the night so that we can then move into our day. And of course, in Genesis 1, we get to the end of these stories, and then on the seventh day, after God has finished his work of creation, God rests. He rests from the work that he has done. Last week, I asked the question in Genesis, who was the first worker? Who was the first rester? God. We don't only reflect the image of God when we work. We also reflect the image of God when we rest. In this first chapter of the Bible tells us that woven into creation, woven into God making us, woven into to me, into my body, into my mind and heart and soul, there is this need of this rhythm of good work and rest. And we certainly see this in the life of Jesus, in his own teaching, as well as in his own life. A lot of the conflict that Jesus had with the Pharisees during that day was around this issue of the Sabbath, and because they have made it something that God never intended it to be, uh, Jesus, uh, they... They made it as, as one more way that we could work to please God by keeping the Sabbath. And Jesus says, you've missed the entire point. The Sabbath day was not made uh, that, that, I'm going to get this wrong, that man was not made for the sake of the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was made for man. That God's rest that he's calling you to and inviting into you is a gift that God wants to give to you. And in Jesus' own life, we read very clearly over and over again that Jesus had in his own life a rhythm of work and rest. Engaging and ministering to people, speaking to the thousands, and then going away either by himself or with that close group of friends. Ministering to people, feeding them, healing them, and then going away by, in a quiet place to be with his Father. Jesus himself had a rhythm of work and rest. Um, Mike, would you come on up? I'm going to do uh, just some conversation with our, our brother Mike here. He has much good to say about these topics, and as he was talking yesterday, I thought you can probably say a lot of these things way better than I can even, so there you go. So Mike, can um, let's, let's start by talking about this idea of, of a trellis and about how our life is shaped by our, our daily routines and habits for better or for worse, and whether we want them to or not. And just to say a little bit about that. You know, I think one thing is um, everything's formational, like what you said. And so we've all been formed by our childhood, by everything we've learned, by our education. 
but the hard thing is is that we've also a lot of that formation has been deformed so so a lot of that deformation has formed us we're deformed in many ways and so what we spiritual life is 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 being reformed and so by the choices we make and by all these things that we do that we don't think about that our culture presses in us into instead of reforming us uh, to be more and more like Christ, often what it's doing is it's pressing us into being deformed. So we're trying to live the Christian life, but it's not working because we just keep pressing into our cultural deformation, if you could say that. So as you think about the, the missionaries and pastors and other people who you may be doing spiritual direction with, <clears throat> what do you see is kind of some of the, the parts of the trellis that we've tried to build for ourselves, and why do you think we, we do that rather than listening to the kind of trellis that God wants for us? Yeah, I think it gets down to, I mean, we sang about it this morning, um, and this has been a big part of my own journey, is, um, you know, as I sit with pastors and missionaries, I don't know if, I don't think I shared this yesterday, but the number one thing that I, as I sit and listen, the number one thing I hear is, them ask is, what does it really mean to be loved by God? And I think many of us at our core struggle with that. We live with ourselves, and we have that deep question, what does it really mean for me to be loved by God? And if that isn't settling into our core, we end up performing, trying to produce, trying to do all these things for God instead of being able to rest in his love and rest in him and out of that rest flows everything else and so it's hard to it's hard to rest and have that trellis built if we don't really know that we're deeply loved and not just in our head but on a heart level yeah so i kind of talked about these kind of two obvious things you know the way that social media or television or entertainment those are really obvious ways that we know you know yeah we probably spend too much time there and that's maybe part of the trellis that needs to be taken down but what i hear you saying is that there can be even be in our lives good activity, activity where we're seeking to even uh, earn the love of God, and that we've built this trellis in order to make us feel like if we build this part of our, our life or construct this part of our life, then God will love us. Is that some of what you're hearing from the pastors and missionaries? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you share a little bit more specifically about this, this rhythm of rest and work in our life? You shared a story yesterday about the missionaries you were with getting together and talking about how busy you were. Can you share that story maybe? Yeah, maybe I'll add a little bit to it. Um, that, you know, we left Fort Wayne and my parents were here in Fort Wayne. And I came back, I think it was 2008 or 2009, because my dad had passed away here in Fort Wayne. And I've was at the funeral home, and, uh, you know, my aunts and uncles, who I hadn't seen in probably 20, 30 years, came shuffling in. And the last time I saw them, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but, you know, the last time I saw them, they were my age. They were like 45 years old themselves. And I thought, boy, that went by quick. And I sat there and I thought, I'm next. And so I got on the plane and I went back to the Czech Republic and with jet lag, I woke up in the middle of the night 
and I was walking in my hallway, and I started feeling all the pressures of all the things I had to do. And I don't usually speak out loud or talk to myself, but I, I kind of yelled, who says I have to do all these things? And I recognized all the things that I had taken on that I thought I had to do. I didn't really have to do them. And so I began to question those things one by one. And I realized I didn't really have to be busy, that I had a need to be busy. Uh, and so as a field, us guys would get together um, every other week, and our field leader would always say this. He'd always say, um, guys, we are way too busy. But that was kind of a pat on the back in a way. You know, it was like a confession with a pat on the back at the same time. And so as time went on, I took that serious. That I'm gonna, and I said, I said, I'm going to learn to live by the beat of a different drum. That was my cry to the Lord. And I did. And I started taking more and more things out of my life. And so as we were together as a field, our field leader said, Guys, we are way too busy. And I said, I'm not. But especially as a missionary, if you hear those words that you're not too busy, then what's the first thing everybody thinks? You're not doing anything. Yeah, let's get him something to do. He must be lazy. And I recognize that we almost don't have language. We're either too busy or we're, or we're lazy. We don't even have the language to describe actually the healthy place that God is calling us to live into. And so it's actually a place that's extremely countercultural and counterintuitive because there's something in us that feels we have to still perform for God. Um, I used to meet with a, with a Catholic uh, priest. Uh, he was a friend of mine in Prague. And uh, he said to me, you Protestants are interesting. He said the whole Reformation was, best, was based in justification by faith instead of works. And yet it seems like you're working at it a lot harder than we are. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, we're, we're working out of, because we are justified. But then I thought, am I really? Am I really? Am I still trying to earn something? And I think an awful lot of the men I sit with Deep inside, we have a sense that God's disappointed. Even talking about rhythms, we can feel like spiritual disciplines, like, yeah, right. One more thing, and God's probably a little disappointed because I'm not pulling it off the way I need to be pulling it off. And if we think about it, if we have this deep sense that God's a little disappointed, do any of us really want to be with somebody who's disappointed with us? And so at the core, there's a... Many of us have to be deconstructed in the way that we think of God, that if our first thought is we can sing that he loves us, but at our core, if we have a sense that God's disappointed, it's hard to build that kind of trellis. And so we start performing, producing, getting busy, being distracted, and defining ourselves by busyness. Um, early on in my ministry, I was reading a book by Eugene Peterson, and that, that idea that I mentioned earlier about Genesis 1, about the evening and the uh, the morning. I think it's in this same book. Uh, he says, I was really grateful. It was my first year as a pastor, and um, he said, the, the adjective busy to modify pastor 
should sound to us like adulterous husband or embezzling banker. And I I think that that shouldn't be just true for pastors, but that if we're only ever describing our life as busy and have no other language, as you say, to describe that healthy rhythm of receiving from the Lord and then doing and moving in our activity from that, um, that should sound wrong to us. But for some reason, it sounds right to us. It's the pat on the back. Yeah, yeah. Alan Fadling has a book called The Unhurried Life. The Unhurried Life. Unhurried Life. And a few things that he says in that book that really capture me is one is that there's certain things you can't do in a hurry and one of them is love and I can tell and that's what I fight desperately against now is I can tell when my soul becomes hurried is I just want to get through when people come into my life they become obstacles and you know everything it just changes everything and that's one thing we can't do uh, we can't love in a hurry. That love takes time. And Robert Mulholland says this uh, with the question, what is the soul? And we can get into all kinds of definitions of what is the soul. But he says this, that the soul is the place where God engages us. And so what happens when our soul is busy, distracted, that we lose that wonderful, beautiful place where our living God engages us. So the building of a trellis and the saying no and the stepping out of busyness, it's a letting go of a lot of good things, but it's entering into a, a cultivated place. I love that image of a garden. It's entering into a cultivated place where the gardener walks with us and he engages us. Amen. Thank you, Mike. So this developing a rhythm of work and rest, um, it's, we've put it under this uh, characteristic of faithful witness. And that's, um, these are four characteristics. And we've put this under our our characteristic of faithful witness is a practice of faithful witness. And that's, that's certainly true in order to um, you know, kind of sustain us from being burned out, from being able to be a, a faithful witness to Jesus over the long haul. Um, and guys, if you could go ahead and come up and put the, the, the boards up, that'd be great. But I, I want to say to you, that there's something else to this as well. It's not just that we need to, to work and rest so that we can you know, work better or be healthy workers, that I want to suggest to you that living, having a pattern of faith and rest, that that is part of your witness. It's a part of your witness. Your, your pause, your, your refusal and resistance to submit to the pattern of this world that we see over and over leads to burnout and to anxiety and to isolation from community. By our rest, by our pause, by our rhythm of work and rest, we are saying we refuse to live our lives according to that pattern. 
And so part of our faithful witness is resisting these patterns that are offered to us by the world and submitting ourselves to a pattern that, of life that shapes our heart toward loving God and loving neighbor. And that means good work, and that means uh, going to work and making a contribution to, to, uh, to, to society and to, to having good work and labor that you do. It certainly has to do with your, your home life and your being a husband or a wife or, or a parent. And at the same time, it means that we need to know and have places in our day, places in our week, rhythms where we are resting, where we are alone with friends or alone on our own in the Lord and resting and simply being with God. We are are coming to the end of this series of following Jesus together. Uh, The uh, ushers are handing out some um, sticky notes, post-it notes to you right now. We've been talking about these four characteristics that God has, has planted in us as a church. Steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity, and faithful witness. And next week, we're going to have a week where we, where we celebrate and we uh, have testimonies of ways that we've experienced these things in our own lives. And so what I would like for you to do, and uh, the worship team can come on forward as well, is what I'd like for you to do is to, on your sticky note, to write, I have experienced, and then you can fill in the blank, steadfast worship or healing community or uncommon unity or faithful witness. I have experienced one of these characteristics, and then write that out, how you've experienced that. Or... I am being called to steadfast worship or healing community or uncommon unity or faithful witness in this way. So either I've experienced one of these things or I'm being called to one of these things. And if you would write that out, and uh, uh, the worship team is going to be just be playing music in the background as you do this, as you think about that. If you have more than one, please feel free to write that out of uh, either I've experienced or I've been called to one of these things. And uh, write that out, and then you're going to come up here and, and put it up on one of these boards. Now, if you are willing uh, for next week to share your story publicly, to share you know, what you've written out here publicly, just write your name at the bottom of the post to know. Otherwise, this can be um, completely anonymous. Um, but if you're willing to share something of what God has done or what you're being called to, uh, please uh, write that down. Uh, write your name at the bottom. But uh, again, there'll be some time uh, where we're just hearing music in the background as you're writing those things out, and then we'll, we'll sing and, and finish our day today. So whenever we begin singing, please uh, come forward and put your post-it notes up on the board. them in faith.
And whether the words that are, are written here are, are seeds planted in the ground that we can't yet see, or whether they are, are fruit that has been born because of seeds planted and watered long ago, we give you praise. We thank you. We thank you that we get to be a part of the work that you long to do in each one of us and that you long to do in us as a community of people here and that you long to do in our city and in our country and in our world. We, we declare today to you and to one another that whatever work you want to do through us, we are ready. Lord, we, we ask that you would would call us to, to places of deeper intimacy with you, deeper intimacy with one another, that out of, out of those, those places of relationship and love that we, where we stand, uh, where we know that uh, even if the world rejects us, that still you are with us. From that place of, of rest and the knowledge of who you are and your love for us, I pray that we would go and do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would fill us as a church with the gifts of your spirit, that you would fill us with, which, with each and every one of them, equip us with each and every one of them, so that those who are called to pray will pray. Those who are called to teach will teach. And those who are called to lead will lead. And those who are called and equipped to serve will serve. Those who are called to to plan and to administer would plan and administer. Well, that all of these are, are gifts of your spirit. And we pray that in all of the, the work that we do, in, in all of our relationships with one another and with our neighbors, that we would evidence the fruit of your spirit, love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus and the power of your spirit that is alive in us and among us. Amen.